Thrilled to welcome you to another episode of Zach's Speakeasy, where you can step behind the bookcase, hear some inside stories, and all about drinks of choice. Now, your host, Zach Hilton. Hey, welcome to the Speakeasy. I am Zach. Follow us on Instagram at Zach Speakeasy. Also untapped. Ooh, that's that social media. Uh, Zach Speakeasy. Tonight we have a very, very cool guest. We have Claire Ainsworth from Devil's Backbone. She works there. Uh, she's making quite a career there at Devil's Backbone. And she set us up with these cool limited brews that Devil's Backbone has during the winter season. And uh, we basically get into it through her career in other breweries and wineries. Breweries like Bad Wolf, which I'll just from the top say, I'm sorry, uh, Bad Wolf, for my flub. And uh, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about when you get into the interview. But uh, Claire is a great guest. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did because it was a blast talking to her. Going to have to get her back on down the line. But uh, yeah, let's just get into it. We have a beer brewmaster uh, uh, a student of the game, if you will. Uh, some would say Jedi of beer. I'm just quoting what I've heard. Uh, it's Claire Ainsworth. Hello, Claire. Hey, Zach. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, our friend uh, Kate uh, basically said she would uh, feed you to the fishes if you didn't come on. I think that's basically what she said. I don't more remember. or less. I don't remember the text uh, verbatim, but that's what I hear. But um, I'm so thankful that you're on this show because one of my favorite things, obviously, is beer. And when I heard uh, our mutual tell me that you work for one of the biggest, at least in Virginia, that I know, uh, Devil's Backbone Beer, which has two locations, Lexington. Mm -hmm. and Nelson County, correct? That is correct, yeah. And I've been to the Nelson County one, which is beautiful, gorgeous. Like if anybody can get out to Nelson County's Devil's Backbone, it's gorgeous. Um, but I wanted to uh, ask you, and I know what the people are thinking, wait a second, why aren't you doing a drink of choice? There's a reason why, because Claire has come and given us the goldest gold I've ever been presented. I was kind of shocked when you told me this. Um, but let's get to know you a little bit before we get into that. Claire, how did you get into craft beer? So from a drinking standpoint, I just had a lot of access to it in college, um, <laughs> which was great. But um, during college, I actually, I got my start in wine sales. Um, no so I worked for a woman who ran her own winery like to think she had kind of a Midas touch. She had been successful in so many other areas. Um, she was a phenomenal winemaker, vintner for the, the, you know, the prissy folks out there that care. Um, <laughs> and I was, I was kind of her right-hand man. She had a lot of health issues. So anything she needed done, I did. And production of wine, uh, tasting room stuff. I did payroll. I filed health insurance claims, which was kind of a nightmare. 
uh, especially when you're 19 years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why are you like still going to college? Yeah, I was in college while doing that. Wow. You couldn't um, even drink the stuff legally, wink. Legally, yeah. <laughs> um, but she she had um, two buildings on her property that were licensed for tastings. And my first foray was her husband worked in the corporate world. We get a lot of corporate retreats coming through. I kind of built out a pricing structure. And then the only reason I can really even say it's close to sales is because I was, I had to talk about the wines that people would be tasting when they came for corporate retreats. Mm. So a lot of cool stuff. I worked for her all through college until she sold the winery. I helped her train up the new owners. And while that was happening, I had started drinking at a brewery nearby that I lived in Manassas. And it just so happened they were like, hey, we got this guy who's leaving. Um, there's gonna be a job opening. You have to learn how to make the beer. You're gonna have to bartend because there's only four of us that work here. So all hands on deck. Are you interested in this? And I was like, fuck yeah, sign me up. Wow. Like, are you able to say the name of said brewery? Oh, Bad Wolf Brewing Company in Manassas. They're still around. Bad owners Wolf. have changed. Yeah, I've yeah. been to Bad Wolf. No way. Um, yeah, so the I... owners changed hands, I think three years ago, two years ago, something about uh... that. Um, so I don't know that the original owners, uh, Sarah and Jeremy are not, I'm not sure if they're still affiliated or not. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they, they took me on and they, it was ground up. And my favorite thing about that place was it was, once you learn how to make beer, it was okay. If there's nothing on the docket that needs to be made, you get to make whatever the hell you want. Um, so we got to like, I like talk about a crash course. You made stuff that was like throwing everything to the wall and seeing what stuck. If you had like five open bags of grain that were kind of close to getting a little stale, you're like, fuck it, let's throw these in there. Let's do it. <laughs> um, and I learned a lot about like inventory management and all the other shenanigans. Um, so I was with them for about three years. Wow. So like one of my main like wants of this show is to learn how to make beer and stuff like that. So you guys just would just throw anything at the wall. If it stuck, did you guys like make it a batch for people to buy so we we unless the beer actually spoiled we sold everything we made it was uh bad wolf is a i don't know if, which location you've been to there was at one point two locations mm -hmm. um but they had the original location was a single barrel brewing system which um those kettles were about this wide and maybe like two feet tall oh wow. so the super small batches of beer um you're looking at maybe six little six stills one one barrel technically for right. the, those who are concerned about measurements, but yeah, you have your, you know, I would get there in the morning, heat up some water. And if there wasn't something that the owners wanted made, you know, we tried to generally stick to having something light on tap, having something poppy on tap and having something dark on tap. Mm -hmm. And we had six and we made something. If people liked it, we made it again. We could tweak recipes. We could try new things. But when you were, when we were that small, it was really cool to just, just see what worked. Right. It's kind of like indie rock and roll. It's just, yeah. you get to play around and do whatever you want. Wow. Um, it was, it was wild. Yeah, no, it sounds it. Uh, I love their area 151. That was the one that I drank a lot of, I think. I think that was- Are you thinking about Wild Wolf? Was that not Wild Wolf? Who were you talking about? Bad Wolf. There's both, that was confusing times. There both exist still to this day. Okay, I'm gonna mark that. Wild Wolf is near Devil's it. Backbone, but that we <laughs> yeah, didn't. That's what I was back. thinking. I was thinking. I was like, wait a second. Did you just transfer? <laughs> no. Okay. okay. That that I'm happens. That, out. that happens a lot. Don't really? Worry. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which like 
It happened when I met um, our, so Devil's Backbone has several brewing teams. We have our mm-hmm. production team. We have our innovation team, which the, the beers that I got for you are from our innovation team. Right. And then we have the base camp team, which is Jason Oliver, our OG original brewmaster, who mm-hmm. is one of the coolest people ever. Mm-hmm. His team, um, when I met them, one of the guys had been up to, to Bad Wolf. And he's like, yeah, you had some stuff like that I really liked. And you had some stuff that wasn't like true to the style you were calling it. Um, and I was like, oh, are you sure you're not thinking of Wild Wolf? He was like, no, <laughs> very sure. <laughs> I am legitimately positive. Um, okay, well, uh, in Manassas, we were in like a We were in like a strip mall in Manassas. Like it would, um, it was pretty hard to mistake. <laughs> okay, okay. So is Manassas, I guess that's also where you went to college. Nope, I went no? to Jamie. You that's went to Jamie? That's how, okay. So that's how you yep. met. I know, Kate. I know Kate from JMU and same with Jason. That, um, yeah, that makes sense. And then, but I'm from, I'm originally from outside of Manassas. Okay. Well, that makes so sense. Now you're, now we're all together. See guys, <laughs> you're just learning more about Claire right now. Jesus. Um, all over the place. Right. <laughs> okay. So Devil's Backbone eventually gets you. How did you get in with them? So, um, I was kind of, because Bad Wolf was like super close to home and I had, been back there fresh from college. I was, I had still had the itch to get out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I actually started looking at breweries down in Roanoke. I'd heard great things. I'd driven past it. Um, and I wound up working for a brewery that unfortunately doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Soaring Ridge. They had a really great um, theme of like the outdoors. They were this big, big facility, super clean, true to style beers. Uh, and I worked for them in Roanoke for a while. And that's when I got to know some of the folks on Devil's Backbone sales team a little bit better. Um, and you know, once I, I was the general manager at Soaring Ridge, I handled all of the operations, all the sales. I had some people running the tap room with me, but there was not much more I could do there mm-hmm. to grow my career. So, uh, at that point it was, let's take a step back, um, figure out what I need to learn to continue being in this business, or do I want to keep being in this business? Cause at that point I'd been in the industry since I was 19. So it was like, okay, are we serious about this? Is this really where you're going to take your life? Right. Or right. do we need to refocus and find a, a grown up job, so to speak? <laughs> um, so, in talking with Devil's Backbone, the nice thing about Devil's Backbone was it was so established and so well known. Um, most of the breweries, I hate saying this because it's, but it's true and I think people should know it. Uh, most of your small local breweries charge a lot for beer because it's, it's expensive. A lot of these small breweries function paycheck to paycheck effectively. Um, so there's a lot of limitations on income that they can pay people. Most of the people I know that work for small breweries also have another job or have something supplementing their income. Uh, and I was kind of ready, like, if this is going to be my life, I want to work for somebody that I can learn from and also not have to have two other jobs. Cause while working at Soaring Ridge, I had two other jobs. Right. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it does seem like you got to stay busy if you're going to be on your feet. Um, But like, like you said before, which is something I did not know, I think uh, Anheuser-Busch owns Devil's Backbone. Mm -hmm. How how did that get it? So the story as told by our founder, Steve Crandall, who actually unfortunately passed away this year. um, I'm sorry. He, he wanted to have this look, this brewery that had this great community impact um, and because at the time when it opened, we grew really, really fast. We opened our original location in Nelson County in 2008. And um, 
by 2011, we were in distribution across the state of Virginia and we did not have the capacity to like produce all of our beer ourselves. Like we were just, holy crap, this is nuts. So we opened up a facility in Lexington um, and we grew there and we grew there and eventually, you're, you know, you're making money, you're doing well, but you're still, you still need more capital, more loans to keep growing. And at a certain point, we got to the point where banks didn't want to lend any more money because craft beer was still this kind of untested industry that maybe didn't look super stable to the banks. Mm -hmm. So apparently they had been approached by Anheuser-Busch well in advance of this, but about 2015, um, Steve and the leadership team said, okay, we need something. We need a partner. We can't do this on our own anymore and be what we want to be. So they went to this investment group that was, or this consulting group that was like, find us an investment partner. They said, okay, put together your wish list, your dream list, all the things you want, and we're going to find people to pitch to you. Mm-hmm. And of all the companies that pitched to them, they liked the Anheuser-Busch pitch the best. So that decision was made and it made official September, 2016. So we're at five years. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty young. The, yeah. The nice thing, um, we've learned and, you know, it's a really great network to be a part of. Like we get to work with our like Breckenridge out in Denver, Colorado. That's a great brewery. Goose Island is a great reference for us. We could weed down in North Carolina also. Um, it's you're left to your own. Like Anheuser-Busch has the mentality of we acquired you because we wanted that business you were doing and you were doing it well. We're going to provide you financing for things. I call it like a step parent. Like I'm here for you. I'm going to pay your bills. You're going to listen to my rules, but like, I'm not trying, I'm trying to be cool. So we call it, I, I consider it like a step parent relationship. Um, where they tell us, back, devil's back, bro. It's too late. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. They're, like we, we make stuff. We made, we tried our foray in gluten-free beers. And we're like, okay, this is your one shot of gluten-free beer. After that, we're not doing this again. And we're like, okay. And unfortunately it didn't quite pan out for us, but that's the kind of way they treat it is, okay, we've got this idea. You're doing it well. And if you do it, continue to do it well, we're going to have you teach all the other breweries we own how to do it. Gotcha. So it's a really awesome thing. They provide us like things like health insurance, which I had not had at any other job. <laughs> oh, goodness. Things, you know, the little yeah. things. Right. It's, it's the grown up stuff that really hits you. See, uh, it's it, it smart, is man. a grown-up job. See, that's the thing. It turned into one. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a while, it was kind of fun to be the family disappointment. <laughs> well, tricks on them. You uh oh, you oh were... I oh no, I still I have an my brother's an aerospace engineer. I never win that. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Uh, well when yeah. you can give your parents cases of beer, but you're then they can play with a flamethrower thrower that your brother built, there's no winning. Wow. Well, like yeah. you would choose that too. Yeah, to but hey, at, least, at least your job tastes better. I guess <laughs> we're going to go with that. We're going to go with that because I'm sorry. I rather have a craft beer instead of astronaut ice cream. Yeah, I said it. It's my show. <laughs> um, so you had to go to school to learn how to make all this, right? So um, the brewmaster thing, I tried to correct Kate on this. Um, yeah. Again, one of the, 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 I learned on my own and there's a lot of brewers out there that are entirely self-taught. It is not required for you to make something that the, pro- the public consumes. Right. Just got to follow OSHA guidelines and you're good. Right. right. Um, so, I mean, obviously going to schooling, the, the best brewers out there are going to be ones that are continuously hungry to learn and to develop and to do cool things and learn the proper techniques in making some of these styles. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I got hired in devil's backbone strictly in their sales team. I've never been a part of brewing or production for them, Mm -hmm. but I have a good relationship with our brewmaster, Jason Oliver and Anheuser-Busch has lots and lots of development programs internally. So he asked if I wanted to, um, Oh, miss a step as a, when I was a speed on the street sales rep for devil's backbone, um, I was the education liaison, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, any trainings that came across at Anheuser-Busch was like, hey, we think this is cool for your team. Or if our HR came across them, that was like, hey, we think this could be cool. I took it first to see right. how much it had direct ap- applicability to the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came to us and they're like, we don't think this is something the sales team's going to want to take, but do you want to try? And for me, I will always have a soft spot for, for brewing. Mm-hmm. I if I have a day where I've got like a meeting down at base camp, I'll hit Jason Oliver up and be like, yo, can I come clean some kegs? Like I want to come down and come get my hands dirty. And he's always down for that. He's so fantastic about that. Wow. Um, so he came, reached out to me and was like, Hey, there's this brewmaster level one exam. Anheuser-Busch wants all the brewers to take it eventually, but I think you should take it and I'll like cover your cost to take it. Wow. For sure. Um, that was, Maybe the dumbest thing I've ever done. Why? <laughs> it was the hardest exam I've ever taken in my life. And no, it's like, just a level, it's just a level one. Really? Um, so here, I for reference, I have, this is the first three classes in Are notebooks. Are you kidding me? No. What? Three legal pads of notes for three lessons. It How was many lessons so total? In, it was 17 weeks, one lesson a week. Jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah. I tried to have meetings and like keep my job going while I was doing this. And I was, I was supposed to have a development meeting with our sales director, who is also a fucking badass lady. But Mm -hmm. she was like, you're taking this brewmaster exam. You said you want to do this. You said this now, like, where are we going with your career? But she called me to have this conversation two days before the exam. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, um, uh, mm, uh, words don't have them. Uh, you want to hear about the metabolic breakdown of this yeast strain? And she goes, um, how about we talk again later? Good luck on your exam. I also completely blacked out during my exam, but I passed. So (laughs) blacked out as in like a, as like a panic blackout. Right. Right. Straight up. Don't remember a lot of things. <laughs> oh my God. I love that you basically lived a Will Ferrell movie where he's like, oh, I did it. I did the test. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Insane. And I, I had people like, so internally, again, internally, a lot of our brewers and our production team, uh, our innovation team um, are all taking this exam. Mm-hmm. And I now serve as a point of reference on this. And Jason confirmed that. He's like, are you good? Like, I've got this new guy taking this exam. Mm. I was like, I can try. <laughs> wow. So they come to you for help. So, and, and again, it's not like I have technical application skills. I can recite, though, a lot of the different technicalities. But it was a class. Um, most of brewing is cleaning. Mm. That is the easiest way to mess up a beer is a dirty anything. Mm. Um, so it's a lot about sanitation techniques, a lot about how like you roast different malts to get different flavors and all of the technical aspects that go into brewing a beer, which is so, so fascinating, but so completely irrelevant to my day job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because you are a like head of sales kind of dude. I am. 
I am a key account manager, so I handle corporate chain sales. Okay. Um, you go to a grocery store. What's your grocery store of choice? Uh, Kroger. Perfect. That's my customer. Um, if you had said something like food line, I would have been like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I don't so, know those rat bastards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they seem like lovely people, but they're not yes. mine. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Kroger is actually my largest customer. Um, they make decisions for what goes on every bit of their shelves mm-hmm. at the corporate level. It's not done at the store level. Uh, mm-hmm. So I handle that for Devil's Backbone. Oh, wow. uh, and I have that. I have eight other chains that I call on besides them. Wow. So like you just, you call them and you say, Hey, we have this Vienna lager and we would like <laughs> to put Vienna lager inside your Kroger. How about blah, blah amount of cases? Yeah, somewhat. Um, it's not quite like that anymore. Uh, it or, used to be that way for sure. Or do you get so, them drunk? Do you say this is Vienna lager? Drink this until you don't remember how many so, you buy. For the sanctity of the Kroger buyer's relationship, I will not say how much alcohol we give them before yeah. meetings. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like one of the, what they do is two times a year, they decide, okay, we're going to revamp and add new stuff, take the stuff that's not out in, mm-hmm. out, not selling out of the store, like we're off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and my job is basically to come to the table with data, with marketing support, with program plans and be like, here's our cool shit. Here's what's done well for you so far. Here's how much money we've made you. Let's keep the ball rolling with this, this, and this. I saw this other thing we sell isn't working. Let's get that out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of data analytics and a lot of um, numbers. Being nice to people. A lot of numbers being nice. And it sounds like you have a bunch of Catalina wine mixers. Yet um, another Will Ferrell reference. <laughs> two for two on this one. Absolutely crushing it. Um, <laughs> no, actually, our, the newest thing that I, I don't use I don't use as a bribe, but we do canned cocktails as well because we have a distillery um, and everybody loves getting those as a present. Oh, they have to, because when I visited, uh, I'm going to say a year and a half ago, two years ago, Mm. uh, they had that um, in Nelson, like, and I've been there before and this was new to me. Maybe, maybe it was fairly new then, but it was like a nice, how can I say this? Like a rum section. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our, we, so we have a distillery on site with a lounge and then yeah. we have our own in Virginia, the ABC stores, you know, are a whole government entity. They allowed us to open one on site so we could sell our own spirits. Yeah, that is wild. But I have had the, um, the, uh, actually last night I had the vodka mule. I, that is my, of all the ones we've come up with and we're constantly doing new things. Cause now this is like all of, like not all of our business, but it's a huge, it, right now it's 24% of our business, which is wow. insane. Wow. Um, cause we just rolled these out like two years ago, but the vodka mule, according to our distillery manager, mm-hmm. that is the most expensive vodka mule being to produce Really? because we're getting, we're getting fresh ginger from Fiji and like pressing it and like all the labor that goes into it. Apparently it's the most expensive one to produce. Wow. So he loves, he loves for people to know that <laughs> <laughs> this is the most expensive drink you'll have in your mouth. Okay. This is such expensive ginger. (laughs) You know what? I tried to. And it's really funny because like at first, not to say I didn't like it, but it did take me a minute to get used to it. Yeah. It took me a minute to get used to this thing. And now I've like really got a good palate for it. So it's really interesting that Devil's Backbone like is putting their hands in a lot of like baskets, it, like with mm-hmm. the mules and the craft beers and different versions and stuff. Is there anything that like, you don't have to give anything away, but is it is it always a like, okay, what's the next thing we gotta do? 
So we get really cool data on what's trending, what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 getting on the the canned cocktail craze was mm-hmm. as from a former outsider now an insider. That's the first time since we cr- came out with Vienna Lager that we've like been ahead of the wave. We've mm-hmm. tried to do like I mentioned gluten free options. We came up with a concept very similar to Light Sky mm-hmm. before Light Sky was really big, uh-huh. and so we were like a little too ahead of the wave. And then we tried to do a hard tea, but we fell a little bit behind on that wave and didn't actually end up producing it, which probably was smart, saved us a little bit of money on that. Um, So we're continuing to ride the waves, like the cool things that are trending right now, we've thought about diving into, but um, like non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic is super, super trendy. And it's really kind of wild to me because two years ago, I had people saying like, oh, you got to keep an eye on what's trending in Germany and Europe before because what happens there happens here two years later. Right. And I was like, well, non-alcoholic is trending over there. Like that's never going to be an American thing. Mm-hmm. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Um, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how, how much you have to like change up. Like I think of something like Anheuser-Busch or, you know, Budweiser, like they're making the same thing every year. Yeah. They stopped making my favorite when they decided to get out of the box, uh, but extra, which as a young 20, <laughs> as a 22 year old who loved energy drinks and beer, why not mix them together? <laughs> um, yeah. It's probably bad for my heart, but we won't get into that. Uh, but like, talk about the health effects here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about that. Um, but it is kind of cool how, like, to me, breweries have to like constantly change their game to not, I wouldn't say to stay relevant, but I would definitely say to keep people coming back in a way. And I will Absolutely. say devil's backbone has a lot of uh, different varieties that I absolutely love. Um, I, I believe eight point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight point. And then y'all mother suckers came out with 16 point and yep. you tried to you kill me. 16 point. Oh yeah. That's some 16 point. That tried to kill me. Woo. Um, <laughs> but you guys are doing all kinds of great things and going back to like the, like changing the game up where loot crates were like a big thing where, you know, you got these comic books and stuff like that, uh, different things like they would come out with a Ghostbusters one, a Batman one and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which were really cool for nerd fans. Well, you guys have this bounce box, which is practically just a beer lover's dream. Like when did that start? Because I have never seen this before. So it's a new project for us this year. Um, I don't remember the exact month that started. Mm. I'm up here in Maryland because prior to key counts, I was the state manager for Maryland. Mm. Um, so we don't ship alcohol to Maryland, apparently to like consumers in Maryland. We, we send plenty of alcohol to Maryland, but um, <laughs> not to the, not to like people's doorsteps. Oh, um, like Santa. So I had to, so I had to get this. I got, so I got the same stuff you got um, so we could try it, but I had to get a ship to my parents' house in uh, Warrington, which is great. Um, but bounce, so I don't know exactly when bounce box started, but it was definitely this concept. We, my job, do- my job is super data-driven. And the one thing that everybody has, who has been in the craft beer business for more than we'll say five minutes, um, is aware is that these are the least loyal consumers ever. You might find a brewery that you are like a diehard and all be all fan for. Mm-hmm. Like there are some breweries where like they come out with something, even if I'm like, oh, maybe I'm still going to try it because I like trust that brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, so the consumer itself is just not a loyal consumer. 
So that's where you have to constantly be adapting and adjusting and coming up with new and cool, exciting stuff. So we got our hands on a small system, not that we didn't already have a small system, but we created the Innovation Brewing Team. And it is run by Libby Rother, who is a badass, like coming up with all kinds of crazy cool stuff. We got somebody in our marketing team who is doing custom artwork for every beer she comes up with. And they have like a theme for every box. So this is my first box. This was my first bounce box also. I was very excited. Um, <laughs> but they have a theme there. I think they're $25 per box. Uh, and you can do like commitments and you get discounts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a way to get constantly four new things. And for us, this is a great way to be like, oh, we made this cool thing because it sounded fucking rad. Right. But maybe only like 20 people are going to want this. Um, so we can't produce it, but we can produce it for those people who are interested in that particular style. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I can foreshadow, give away some of the stuff in our box. There's two beers in our in this that are that we're going to try that are smoky beers. Okay. Um, and that's not a style that does particularly well. It's mm-hmm. something that is a very, um, very, very, very small customer base, if mm. at all. Um, Interesting. So it gives us a chance to experiment, find some cool stuff. And also, you know, eventually do make some, we can make some of these things into, you know, beers that we put out in mass production. Right. Um, so if people want to look for the bounce box, they could just go to Devil's Backbone website mm-hmm. and look for it. Yeah. Um, and also you punch in bounce box beer into Google, pops right up. Wow. Um, it's That's awesome. It's so cool. I, yeah. I was really pumped to get this too. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when it like came in, I was like, holy shit, this is exactly what I've needed because like it gets you to try different things. Yeah. And you, I honestly thought it was going to be super expensive, but yeah, 25, 35. If you do like a subscription, it does get cheaper, which is really cool, but it's a very neat process. It's a once a month, a box, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like the fact that like, maybe if you can't go out of town or something like that, I mean, we are still in a pandemic. So like, if people don't want to go out, this is a cool way to try new beer at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shall get into the drink of choice. It's finally arrived. Um, you, Claire, you're about to send me down a, a hole of beers because we're going to do a little education. I am so excited. Take me to school, Claire. Uh, go ahead and just, I guess, talk about you want to just do one for one. Yeah, we'll start one at a time and we'll kind of walk through it. Um, uh, and we're going to kick off with Call Me Krampus. So <gasps> this is a December box. 1,000%. Um, this is the one I was most excited about. I'm a so, horror guy. <laughs> perfect. Um, I saw that. And I, I I mean, obviously, I know that you're a horror guy. So, um, but this, um, so this is a style I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And Libby is rolling it out like, yeah, this is what we're trying. We're trying some smoky stuff, some cool stuff for the winter. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, this is, I guess, what they would call a retired style or an extinct style, which is one that, like, if you were to go online and, like, Google this, you're going to find, like, recipes written in German. Yeah. What? <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a little bit dark in color. It's going to be made with some oaked smoke or, sorry, not some oaked smoke malt. That's the next one. Um, I did have to look at that. But there's going to be some smoky malts in this, a lot of roast going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's a little higher octane, you're going to get some of the warm burn. Um, hopefully not a burn, but like a warm feeling. <laughs> I was about to say, I got <laughs> not like a not like a shot. Gotcha. So you know how you take the shot and it calls, yeah. it, we call it it's a fusel. Um, mm. so we call 
we'll get some multi sweetness out of it. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to try this one because okay. I have been I've been sitting on this box like I, I have to wait. Oh. I have to be responsible about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, not the color I thought it would be. Me neither. So wow. I mean, the more we get, the darker it'll be. Um, don't judge my my glass is a little dirty. Um, <laughs> but you'll smell it. Oh, you want me to show you my cool trick first? Oh yes, so please. Neutralize your palate. So yeah. I learned this. Um, and it doesn't work. Like if you've just eaten like an entire clove of garlic, obviously you've done, you've done that to yourself. Okay. Um, but between beers and trying, trying different things, um, you're going to want to take your non-dominant hand okay. and smell right below your wrist. Cause your own scent is neutral to you. Okay. <laughs> wow. So whenever someone asks me to palette. smell something, I look like a big nerd because I'm constantly <laughs> just throwing my hand up to the, my face and going like inhaling, like really like a guttural inhale. It's very dramatic. <laughs> oh, why is Claire dabbing on them hose? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, this is a little lighter than I was expecting, but I'm super yeah, pumped. This is light. Oh, they don't a make bit this of honey in there. They don't make so this. This is like a, so this is, yeah, this is a style that is like, when they say extinct styles, they're yeah. things, again, that like, are just super, super, super hard to find. And I, I, I'm, I like really cool off the wall styles of beer. I had never heard of a knees and neck style of beer. Um, so yeah. And I also don't wow. get a lot of that, like it's 8.2%. And when you start to get up, that's when you get that little bit of fusel burn. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't have that at all for that, which is super awesome. Wow. Not that I expect anything less than perfection from Libby, but smoky beers, um, a lot of times people think of a Rauch beer, um, yeah. R-A-U-C-H. That is like you've inhaled a campfire. Yes. Uh, and there are people that love those beers, 100%. I was talking to one of my coworkers. We're talking about smoky beers. He goes, yeah, man, I'm not into them. My dad went to Germany and went into this pub and... Rauch was like their, their thing in this town. Cause every, oh, every style of beer comes from like a certain region in Germany. Cause they're like, this is our thing. Um, so wow. it's kind of a cool thing to learn. It's not yeah. every single style, but a lot of them, but like Pilsners come from the Pilsen region of Germany, things like that. What? Um, wow. Did you learn that in beer school? I, uh, yeah, I learned that in my beer school. <laughs> but awesome. they, it was, it's, they mentioned it so casually. Like, right. like the Pilsen malt from Pilsner, or the Pilsner malt from Pilsen region. And the same thing with like hops, when like hops were first being grown, mm -hmm. they would just name them after the region. <laughs> wow. I mean, Germans are, if nothing else, a very effective, efficient, organized population. This makes sense. Keep it simple. Exactly. Let's keep, let's keep it simple. But, you, but let me tell you, you mentioned honey in this thing and I do get that little sweet, just a little bit. Yep. Um, Wow. So my coworker is telling the story of how his dad goes into this pub yeah. and says, uh, all they have is literally all they have is Ralph beer. And he goes, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to have anything. And the woman's like, drink three of them. And I promise you will never want anything ever again. And he's like, oh, okay. And I guess the good sport that he was um, drank three of them and was like, nope, I'm obsessed. I want this forever and ever now. Wow. So apparently the more smoky beers you drink, the more you like smoky beers. 
Right. Well, I mean, not the, I mean, it's a different type of one, but that's what happened with the vodka mule with me. I had mm-hmm. one vodka mule and I was like, yeah, that, that, that's fine. And now I'm like, Ooh, I prefer this over a margarita. Oof, that's a tough one, but I'm, I think I might be with you on that. I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> hate on me. Find me on untapped. <laughs> um, I don't know yeah. if they're ranking those. I don't know if they're ranking those canned cocktails on untapped, but can I, yeah. Untapped lives as the bane of every brewery manager, every tasting room manager's existence, because inevitably you go on there to look at your reviews and look at how many stars you got. And I will say as much shit as I'm about to talk on Untapped, I do have it. But also I think all adults should be capable of like, this sounds cool. I'm not going to let the fact that it has a low rating, not let me try it. You should make your own decisions. Right. Um, but there are definitely people that would get on Untapped and be like, take their flight. Maybe they got an IPA in there and they're like, I don't love an IPA. They would go in there. And even if it was the most perfect, true to style American IPA, you got hops, you got a little high octane, a little bit amber color to it, whatever it is. And they'd be like, one star. I hate IPAs. Yeah. Not actually talking about the drink, just their emotional connection. Just if if you can't leave bias out of it, I don't want to see your review. Now I'm just going to start doing like one star IPA review because my dad left me for IPAs. He left me. I never trust whatever the brewery since. you take this, whatever brewery you take this pent up childhood <laughs> angst out on, warn them in advance. Yeah. <laughs> That's and I'll be like, by the way, I, this is, this is just funny to me. And I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife cheated on me with an amber ale. Never look at them. Goodly, whatever. Never but, again. <laughs> awesome. So is this one, call me Krampus, is this available by itself anywhere um if we have any leftover from this the box that i got for you is yeah. sold out um yeah. yeah but if they have any leftover it'll be up there for individual style or if you're popping by our lexington location outpost is what we call it we call them base camp outpost um because we're outdoorsy like that oh i, t- um, I took it to star wars <laughs> um i would too because i grew up Star Wars nerd, yeah. um, but uh, but Steve Crandall uh, was very much in Boy Scouts and environmental conservation, and so we're outdoorsy. Well, I mean, it makes sense with all the labeling and where you guys are, like Nelson. Yeah, one hundred percent. That makes but sense. Our uh, innovation brewing team is based out of the Lexington location, so one mm-hmm. of the cool things there is if you pop into the shop and they have extra stuff on hand, you can buy it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. By the way, you keep saying innovation. I keep thinking like Disney Imagineering. Yeah. <laughs> it's so the same thing for beer. We have to divide our, we have to divide up our teams because mm-hmm. they do like our brewing teams do have different roles and responsibilities. Like the innovation team, this is their big project, you know, that they get to do and they get to try and experiment on plenty of other stuff, but the bounce box is the way we get that cool. We get to kind of, um, you know, get those experiments out into the world. Right. But innovation is exactly, Anheuser-Busch is very big in innovation. They constantly right. want to be trying what's new, what's next. Um, I got to try things that did not go into production. And I'm really glad because it was alcoholic aloe water. I don't trust that. It was, <laughs> it was real chunky. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Well, it, I'm very happy. But, so just stick with seltzer if you're going to do a water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, innovation production is 90% of the beers people are finding at the grocery store and then base camp, um, 
is really all about stocking the stocking the base camp pubs with all of their beer and right. doing a, a little bit of uh, smaller scale experimentation as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So those okay. are the three different teams, but I'm going to keep, yeah, Libby and our innovation team, I'm going to keep plugging her because I'm that, like mildly obsessed with her and I keep telling her that. Well, it makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like you're so cool. And she's like, yeah, okay. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Okay, you're making it uncomfortable. <laughs> I have that effect on people. That's why I'm in sales. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you want to move to the second one? So next it was not in the box, but this one sounded really fucking cool to me. So um, you just added it? I just bought it in addition to that box. Yeah. You're so if you like like the bounce box and you're like, I definitely need this other thing too. Like uh -huh. if like someone's listening and we made Call Me Krampus sound really awesome and there's extra there, they can like add it into their next shipment. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Neat. So the next one we're trying is called Sandpiper. It's a Lichtenhainer sour ale. Now this is um, a cousin to a Berliner Weiss, which is something people will recognize. Okay. And I was not super familiar with it. So I did a little bit of research um, they're like cousin styles. And mm -hmm. apparently back in the day, Berliner Weisses used to be slightly smoky beards as well. Um, and Weiss is a German word for wheat. Um, so these have wheat in them, which is how they got that. The Lichtenhainer was not originally made with wheat, but now more traditionally. And I say now more traditionally, I mean, the recipe changes that I'm talking about in this major style changes happened in like the 1920s. Oh, wow. So, this is, uh, sour beers are not like a new fad thing. Like people in Germany are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been doing that forever. Right. Wow. Um, like my favorite sour beer fun fact is that dozes were made originally with brackish water, which is why they're salty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm but, learning more. So this bad name of Jamie so, right here. Oh God. Lichtenhainer. So this is supposed to, the reason this one's going next okay. is it is lower alcohol. It's going to be a little bit lighter too, but it's going to be a little bit more acidic. Yeah. The palate neutralizing. S sniff <laughs> i can't believe that like that that it's such an obvious thing but you are your own like neutral palate wow the human body does so much <laughs> i know i'm i'm like super prepared to like this but i'm also trying to be really calm and cool okay. about it but um i had a smoky sour beer that was not a lick container and it was so good okay. um it's something that's really cool i i love a good campfire um, I'm not out there trying to like make drinks out of it though. Right. But right. I'm a big sour fan because there's so many different ways that can happen both naturally and chemically. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this one, let's, let's get into it. Cause I'm super excited about it. Yeah. So less smoky, but a lot more, I get like a little bit of lemon out right. of that. Right. And I also don't feel like there's that sting that some sours do like I had an initial taste and then it just floated away mm -hmm. so that's there's so many that's why like sours fascinate me and I'm actually um and hopefully coming in the next day or two um I'm learning more I want to learn more when I'm I'm taking some time off work for the holidays I'm going to do some reading on sours because there are so many processes and they're so trendy right now that I want to like I know what I like but I also want to know what is being made that's technically correct and what's being made that like, because the other problem you can have is if certain infections in beer can just taste sour. Uh -huh. And I won't say that there are breweries out there that do this, but there might be breweries out there that definitely have put some sour stuff out there that was just something that went awry. Right. Um, and I want to be a little bit more judicious in like enjoying that. Because for me, I'm like, I could 
just chug balsamic vinegar and find that delicious. Right. So <laughs> um, I want to be a little bit more discerning with this yeah. and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I, I mean, I really like this. This is, a, it's yeah. a, it is very acidic, but it's not like lingering for sure. No, no. I like that. It doesn't hang out. Yeah. It hits the tongue, but gets out. So do you like, want I know you've made beer do you actually want to make a beer like you're talking about learning a sour would you be happy of like oh I've made this cool recipe I want this out in the world is that something that you like look at um it's something I've done before my Mm -hmm. I I try to avoid I used to try to avoid this as much as possible but I guess it's so well too bad it's on podcast now (laughs) ha ha (laughs) <laughs> it's it's been out there for so long. Uh, the first recipe I ever wrote and brewed at Bad Wolf, um, what wound up being one of their most successful beers. Oh, sounds kind of sounds kind of douchey. Um, <laughs> I am my favorite brewery of all time is is Breckenridge Brewing out of Denver. They mm-hmm. are thirty years old. They've been around for a long time. They got purchased by Anheuser Busch I think two years before we did, maybe okay. or right around the time that we did. Okay. Um, but their biggest beer, their most successful beer is a vanilla porter. Mm. And it's like really like super low key, like four and a half, five percent. You get that vanilla vanilla note. And I just I was obsessed with it. And I was like, I want to make this again. And the cool thing about Bad Wolf was we constantly would iterate and try new things. And eventually it became kind of this slightly smoky. We would get some mesquite smoke malt in there. Um, but handmade vanilla porter. Like, I mean, like you're not even using vanilla extract. You're like gutting vanilla beans to get it in there. Wow. Um, so I've done, I've been down that road before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of their beers that did really, really well. And I would really have rather my name not be right on the <laughs> label there, but, um, did it say your name? It did say Claire's vanilla Porter. That was the actual oh, name of the beer. Holy, that's amazing. You're not, you're doing it. Don't worry about it. Don't be, I mean, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> don't nothing. Be proud of that. You did it. My favorite thing though, that I made and I, I'm going to take partial credit on it. Cause, um, when I trained with devil's backbone, they do a thing where even if no matter what department you're hired in, if you're hired as a full-time employee, mm-hmm. you do a day of like HR onboarding where you learn about our company. Mm-hmm. And then you do a day with our production brewing team, like mm-hmm. the big, huge silos in Lexington that are like bigger than some people's apartments in DC. Um, mm-hmm. You do a day with that. You do a day on the canning and bottling line, which is also really cool. Oh, it's, that's like automated in a really awesome way. And then you do a day at our base camp production team. Um, and my day at base camp, I get there and it's um, Jason Oliver, our brewmaster, Aaron Riley, his like right-hand guy and our pilot, our, our brewer who has now moved on to his own brewery, um, Eric. And they're like, oh, wait, you've got experience in this bucket. We're not going to show you anything. You're just going to help us like work today. <laughs> cool. Like this yeah, what's up. So their project for that day was they had a brand new fooder. And a fooder is a wooden open fermentation device. It's mm-hmm. super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically you put beer in there and let it soak in some of the wood flavors. You let the environment kind of take its toll on the beer. It's not temperature controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this brand new fooder. And they're like, you're gonna take 20 kegs of Danzig, our Baltic porter, and pump them into this fooder, and then we're gonna add Britannomyces to it. And Britannomyces is a naturally occurring yeast strain that is safe to use in beer. It's very common. A lot of people just call it Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can either add a really cool stone fruit flavor to the beer or it can go kind of lemongrass. And like, it's not totally just sour. It's a little bit like this where it's sour, but it's earthy. And there's like a little bit of funk 
to it, like a good cheese. Uh Um, And so that went in April of 2018, like my first like week with devil's backbone. And it released in December of 2019. Wow. And they were like, how many kegs? Claire, you help make this. How many kegs do you want to sell of it? And I like, like haven't tried this since. But I always asked, I was like, hey, anytime I would talk to Jason or Aaron or Eric, I'd be like, what's the deal? Is my beer still around? Because even though I didn't make those kegs of Danzig, I got, to, they were like, here's the prompt. Here's the thing. Do add it. Like we, we don't, we trust you. And we just met you. And you're like, it's a lot of pressure, but <laughs> they let, they kept an eye on it. They did all of the stuff, but I, I got it into the fooder and it was so cool because Danzig, if anyone's ever tried it, is this really awesome, rich, dark chocolate porter. And Baltic porters are cool. They're a lagered porter. Right. So they sit a little bit lighter, but it's Danzig's big standout feature is this dark chocolate flavor. Y- yes. Um, so this came out as like a tart cherry chocolate porter and it was so good, but I like didn't get to try it until they had kegs and they were like, they cut me loose in the market. They're like your total, your team, which I was on a team of five people, Mm -hmm. like your total team is getting 26 kegs. Um, and it's just a mad dash. Like whoever sells them, sells them sold 20 of them in my market because I was just so like hyped about my own like this thing that I had like a small part in. Right. And, right. and I went around to people and they were like, well, we don't know what to call this. We don't know what to talk about it. And I was like, just call it cherry chocolate porter. Everyone will love it. It'll be great. Wow. And it was so cool. It's probably my favorite thing ever because you are, you know, you're, you're monitoring it, you're taking care of it, but you're letting this naturally occurring yeast just do its thing. Right. Wow. It was, that's neat. Like I still have like dreams about that beer. It was so good. <laughs> Is that wow. the lamest thing I could have possibly said? <laughs> <laughs> now it's on podcast, but you know what? I respect it. I love this. It mm. was it was great. It was just the best. Yeah, no, I mean it sounds delightful because dancing is delicious by all. That's time. where that's where I get you though. Is I am in sales, so I can make everything sound great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. Come on, come on. Yeah, you're selling me. All right, so, so where are we going? Next, we're doing Brusecco. This is interesting. So we've actually dabbled in this before. We had this really small uh, series of beers where we did like a barrel-aged barley wine. Um, and I'm not going to remember the other thing in there, but we did this beer called Clink, and it was uh, made with champagne yeast. So I don't know. This doesn't, the description we got doesn't say whether or not it was made with champagne yeast. Right. Um, but we have a recipe for it and the champagne yeast is going to make it really, really dry. And there are certain hops we can use that are subtle and can add like a little bit of a soft grape feel to it. Right. Um, so Brusecco, I'm super excited about, but the cool thing about that champagne yeast is you are going to get things real high octane. So it's 9%. Yeah. I see that it's nine. Is this, (laughs) is this something made for like, um, new year's? Is this like, we, so we, the big gripe against the big gripe the sales team had was clink came out i think in like march mm-hmm. at one point and we we're like this would be perfect for new year's this is like made to look like every new year's eve branded thing from like 2005 on yeah for sure um, it's supposed it looks like that and so they re-released it again in december because we're like come on guys like get it out get it out um so yeah so this is gonna be super super dry it's gonna be really heavy on the carbonation um, and it should mimic beer 
or it should mimic champagne, but still taste like an ale. Interesting. But these were really, really cool. We got IPA drinkers to try them. Like it was born out of the style of Brut IPAs that I think a lot of people heard about, Uh but maybe didn't get into. They were very dry IPAs where you had a lot of hops, but similar concept, but screw the big hop profile. Let's just get (laughs) all the malt in there, 9% alcohol. Oh, wow. That stings there. Yeah. A little, little sharp. A little sharp. But like <laughs> you said, it's an ale. It doesn't give you that like champagne, like bubbly feeling. You're not going to get that. Like it, it's uh, when something, if you ever see a beer described as dry, that's going to yeah. mean same with wine too. It's fermented down so far mm-hmm. that the sugars, sugar, sugar creates alcohol, that mm-hmm. the sugars have like almost been completely not removed, but just completely broken down. Right. Um, so that's going to create that dry feeling that, that hits on your mouth, but it's so, these kinds of styles are so cool to me because this is a beer that you could give to somebody who's like, Oh, I really only like wine or I really only like cider and they could appreciate this. This does taste like a wine cider. You're a hundred percent right. But you still have that slightly bready flavor to it. Yeah. That's pretty good. (laughs) Sleeper, not that sleeper on that one, huh? Yeah, like I wasn't <laughs> sure what I was getting when I read it. I was like, sparkling ale, what the shit? Right? <laughs> and, but like, I, I was expecting so much like fizzy, but it really mm-hmm. isn't. It just, it's an initial hit and you get that little tongue feeling, but that's about it. Yeah, and I mean, that's playing with carbonation, playing with a different balance. Um, right. But I, I live... One of my favorite things about all the different breweries I've worked for has been beer education. Yeah. Because I always told the people I work with at Babel, we can teach these people all day, every day about these awesome beers. Um, and the more we fi- help them find a style they like, mm-hmm. the better off they're going to be. They're going to go out and be, know like, oh man, I didn't realize how much I loved, um, you know, Belgian beers because right. we made a Belgian beer for them. And then they can they get to go out in the world knowing that, yeah, they love Bad Wolf. Yeah, they love whatever brewery you work for at the time. That brewer, that server helped me find a beer and a style that I love. And I can go out into the world right. knowing what I like. Right. Is that, some, is that something that you do with your friends a lot? Like, um, I try to only do it if I have a willing audience. Right. Like I'm not sitting there like lecturing my friends on beer whenever I get. Um, that would make me harass. I have dreams be- about this shit. You listen to me. <laughs> Get your notepads out, kid. Um, but I do have friends. Um, I'll give a, a great example. One of my best friends from high school, um, not a big, big drinker, uh, but she would go out and she was like, I want to find beers that I like because I like, I want to. Great friends are always trying to support you. Right. Um, I want to support you. And it found out, it comes to find out, like, in all the things I would get her to try, she likes sours. Okay. Wow. And it was, but it was like trial by fire. And there's so many questions I learned from wine to and somewhere in the middle of there. I was also a wedding venue bartender um, to being in beer. I learned a lot about flavor profiles and flavor matching. And, you know, you could get, you get the inevitable person that's being dragged into your brewery by their significant other, who is like, I really love this place. And they're like, I want to be a good sport, go out with you. And that person rolls in and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to like. I'm like, okay, what do you drink? And they can answer in any realm. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is that, you know, th- there are going to be people that just, there's no beer that, that gets them. 
right. whatsoever. Right. And that's fine. Right. But the woman that comes in and is like, oh, I love a good dry red wine. Cool. Okay. You're going to like those earthy, fruity flavor profiles. Let's get you started towards an amber. Let's okay. see how that goes. And not letting people like get held up by the color of the beer that they're drinking or whatever. We rolled right. out, um, speaking of color, we rolled out a hard lemonade. It was awesome. It was this hibiscus hard lemonade. Um, it was our first foray into gluten-free options. And you had all these like big hulking brew guys, like from our production team that were like, this is the best. I love this. <laughs> and they're holding up this like soft, subtle pink drink. <laughs> and they're fucking loving it. Yeah. And we rolled it out to the market and the cans sold better than the bottles because you could get guys to drink it when they weren't so hung up on the color. Oh, fancy. Okay. But we, that's the, that's a thing with like food and with alcohol is people get hung up on the way it looks. Right. And the reality is if you're going somewhere, you should find the person you trust or a restaurant that you trust or a brewery that you trust to give you a product that maybe despite how it looks, you're willing to, to taste it because you know the quality they bring to the table. Right. Right. So education is like the biggest thing, especially whenever something is new and trendy, like Mm -hmm. craft beer, when it was new, brand new in like the, you know, 2013, 2014, Mm -hmm. it was a matter of getting our consumers educated on what they liked and what they didn't, because that makes it able for them to go into a grocery store and be a more educated consumer. Right. I, I honestly, I just love breweries because like, I don't remember ever visiting one pre 2012 13 but like you would see these like you said i mean didn't you say devil's backbone's been around since 2008 mm-hmm. like that's wild to me because i've never heard about it before but like it's crazy how not only how quickly breweries popped up but like how awesome it is just that i hate bars i hate bars I never want to go into a bar, but like breweries catch my heart. So I, I've got two things that you said. So to you said, you don't remember 2012, 2013, prior to that being brewery. Right. Um, a lot. Uh, that's because the law changed. So prior to 2012, you, in order, the reason we have a restaurant at our original, actually both of our locations yeah. um, is because you weren't able to have just this tasting room concept. Virginia okay. was very slow to adopt those. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always had to have food and you always had to have something, you know, you, you, you had to have more of a bar vibe. And for the people right. that are just out there, you know, brewers that are out there, like, I don't want to fuck with even making you a hot dog. Right. Um, that was the law changing in 2012 was the upsurgent. So um, Bad Wolf, I think, if I remember correctly, was the 44. Fifth or 44th licensed brewery in the entire state of Virginia, which there's now over 300. Wow. Um, but it was that fast of a turnover that they started popping up just because of that. Right. Um, but to the, the latter point, um, I, so I'm in sales and I've sold to bars and restaurants and grocery stores, convenience stores, you name it. Um, the most welcoming environment. I've also lived, um, I counted the other day, 14 addresses in 12 years. Um, I've moved wherever I've been needed. Um, and <laughs> that is going to be on your tombstone. Right, <laughs> 1000%. The worst part was last year I bought a house because I was like, I'm done. I'm rooting myself. And I got a job offer seven months later. 
which is also, I love Devil's Backbone, but their favorite thing right. to do is promote you right after you've bought a house. Right. And then move they've done that to so many people. Yeah. Really? Um, wow. But they're in all the places I've lived, there's never been a brewery I've walked into where I haven't felt welcome and comfortable being like by myself. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing. Like if you, every, the coolest thing about the beer industry is it is the, it's taking something like wine has a little bit of pretension to it. Liquor if you go to a distillery has a, a, it's, it's a costly experience, you know, to go there. It's a long process. It's not, I wouldn't quite call it pretentious, but mm-hmm. um, beer is the every man's thing. Yeah. I haven't found, I've never been in a brewery and seen someone walk up to the server, the bartender and be like, man, I'm here with my buddy. I don't really like craft. What do you recommend? And have that bartender laugh at them. That bartender right. is so impassioned by the company they work for that. They're like, Dude, we've got this light thing. We've got yep. like, my favorite. Who I uh, I guess I'll be plugging them now. Um, in Frederick is Old Mother, and they are ten minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. And I I watched. I was there just last night, actually. Um, wow, I sound like a great alcoholic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hadn't been in a while, but I I went right. there and it, same thing happened. Like I'm there sipping on my sour beer and mm-hmm. living my best life, and the you know this guy walks up and his buddy orders some like brett saison and he's like i hate to do this but like i'm a i'm a beer flavored beer kind of guy okay and he's like oh we have this awesome lager it's hank you should definitely try that he's like but we also have this wheat style on tab are you a like a blue moon drinker at all because i want to offer you some options mm-hmm. like this kid loves Literally. his job and this company so much that he wants he wants everyone to feel comfortable there he wants right. it to be right. this and that's the best thing about beer like I worked in wine. Wineries aren't sharing their recipes with other people. But when I worked for Soaring Ridge, if we like, I was responsible for ordering an inventory. And if I shortchanged us and we didn't have enough of a certain type of malt, there were six other breweries within a half an hour. We could call up and, you know, oftentimes for them, it was Parkway. We call the guys over at Parkway and be like, yo, we're short on some wheat malt or some caramel 30L. Like, can we get 10 pounds from you? And they're like, pre-ground or not? Like, what's going on? We got you. Like, breweries are the first they want their product to be so accessible and i mean every industry is going to have those outliers that are a little bit douchey but for the most part the best part about beer is it's the rising tide lifts ship lifts all ships mentality we all want everyone to succeed and that's one of the things that drew me to soaring ridge before devil's backbone but devil's backbone too is devil's backbone jason oliver when he opened the brew pub was like we have to have miller light we have to have bud light because i know there are going to be people walking through the store that just want to have some food with their friends and they right. don't like being a logger. Wow. And he's like, yeah. I don't care what you like. I care that you enjoy your experience. Right. No, absolutely. And that's, that's beer. That's beer culture. Yeah. Is we just want you to have a good time. Yeah. Um, by the way, Claire was uh, throwing shade at Zima. Zima. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in my life when I throw shade on Zima. Come on. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. What are we drinking now, lady? Ah, she's down it. She's like, hold on. Hold on, I gotta, pal. Finish, my, I gotta finish my Brusecco. <laughs> um, no, we're going to move on to Alpine Peak, which is a white IPA. Let me tell you, I so, love white IPA. Awesome. Yeah. White IPAs are the best. They blend, they use a Belgian yeast most of the time. And Belgian yeast, so yeast is actually responsible for about 70% of the flavor you're getting out of a beer. Oh. Um, like Bud Light yeast, mm-hmm. 
And but the reason people will come to you, actually, I, I just told there was a guy at a bar who's like, oh, I really just I'm only a Miller Lite guy, like Bud Light, Bud Heavy. They just all sit right with me. And I was like, oh, that's because Bud and Bud Light, they use a similar strain of yeast. And so you're going to get the same effect out of it. Miller Lite's obviously not using Bud Light yeast to make right. their beer. Right. Um, so yeast is, especially when you have something as strong and flavorful as Belgian yeast, this tends to add flavors of like orange peel, coriander, a little, I guess, spiced would be the best word for it. Mm-hmm. And then brewers can go ahead and add those spices in and they're like lifted up even more. Right. So the cool part of a white IPA is there are so many hops that are citrusy and fruit forward. This gives them a different, you know, kind of platform where it's balanced with some spice and some fun flavors. Right. Ah. Don't mind. Well, my hazy bad. too. I love it. Oh, I love hazy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, don't mind my back to the future. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I... I went and shamelessly um, did the Devil's Backbone Dead Bear glasses. We used to have this awesome stout series called Dead Bear, Mm -hmm. and we changed it quarterly. So there was Cocoa Bear. There was, um, what was was the spiced one? Oh, crap. It's been so long. Mm -hmm. There was like a spiced one that was like like ancho chilies and cinnamon. And um, yeah, it was so cool. Mm So this is my. I like it. It's very there. You can see the bear on there somewhat. Oh, yeah, you can. Kind of angle him. Yeah, it was this or use my go to beer glass, the Lagunitas glass. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. That is super. uh, And I I love so in these these bounce boxes, they include the tasting notes. And actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, as, I'm going to shout out our marketing team. One of the most, the best, most original concepts they came up with was every beer we've ever made. They put a three word descriptor on the side of it. So when you're like selling bottles or cans of beer to um, like a bar that doing some, or anything like that. um, Or if you have a keg and the keg collar has it on there, it was the easiest way for a bartender to learn how to talk about a beer or somebody at total wine to be like, Oh, I'm not familiar, but there's a three word descriptor and it was the easiest way to, cause again, consumer education is my, my, my jam. Right. Um, I can't be in every single bar that sells devil's backbone all the time. Right. So if I can teach those bartenders how to talk about our beer, that's going to be the coolest thing. Right. They're going to know how to talk about it. You can even give them like a nugget of story to be excited about, but those three word descriptors and I'm super happy the bounce box kept that alive. Right. Cause this one says tropical citrus and passion fruit. You ain't wrong. Oh yeah, you're yeah. I can definitely taste the tropical and citrus. One thousand. We definitely. You, what was funny is we used to. Um, I had a coworker. Um, he and I would drink and quiz each other like three word descriptor for Schwartz beer. Go, and we'd have to like know it off the top of our heads. <laughs> <laughs> uh Schwartz beer, uh, dark helmet, Lone Star, and yogurt. For Schwartz beer, it was coffee, <laughs> roast, and coffee, roast, and dark chocolate were the three wow. for Schwartz beer. And that was our black lager, which is if you meet anybody who was hired by Devil's Backbone between like 2015 and now, mm-hmm. they're like, Schwartz beer is my favorite beer. Like every right. interview I was in and every interview I was a part of, mm-hmm. you ask them, like, oh, you have a favorite beer and a favorite Devil's Backbone beer. And I answered Schwartz beer in my interview. 
and it's a panel and every, every single one of them were like, yeah, same, same. One same. of us, one of <laughs> us. <laughs> so if anybody interviews for Devil's Backbone, there's your pro tip. <laughs> Love, must love Schwartzbeer. Must love it. Um, now with your job, what's your favorite perk that you have? Like, for instance, I saw you at a Caps game. Yeah. So um, like. I honestly, my favorite perk of this is, oh, this is going to sound so lame. Um, uh, hey, Claire, you said you had dreams about like. <laughs> I mean, it already sounded really lame as what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. Okay. We're, all, we're um, on the same level so here. <laughs> I've met some of like the coolest, smartest people ever from this because I get to like build relationships um, with all of these customers that I work with and you never know who brings what to the table. Um, like I, some of my favorite customers, we started off with them like hating Devil's Backbone for selling, selling out. Um, right. And, you know, talking them through how to see past that and how to feel okay with buying a devil's backbone keg, despite right. that. And the, I guess my favorite part of this job is I'm a person that likes to see the results of their work. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily like selling stuff. You get it on tab and you get to see your beer that someone bought from you. But again, it goes back to the fact that beer is that like unifier when you can go out to a bar and like, I'm, I'm a person that I've been in this business for so long. Like, I, yes, I have a home office, but you're more likely to catch me working at a bar or, you know, in the cafe at Wegmans than in this, in this office here. And it's something really cool about sitting at a bar and hearing someone order your beer without you having like slid them a five. <laughs> um, <laughs> like just people, you've made something that people get to go out and spend their hard earned money on and they enjoy mm-hmm. and you know, it brings people together. That's the, the coolest part about beer is that it's, it is that thing. It, it's the thing that unites people and gets everybody together. Right. And that, I mean, there's a shit ton of cool perks. Like I went to a Caps game once. Um, most of the time I go to Caps games, I'm usually paying for myself. Oh, okay. um, but there's, you, you get to meet so many cool people and impact their business. Like I have some of my favorite customers are small business owners that, um, you know, you help your beer, you know, might only be a small percentage of their business, but it's still helping with the entire picture of someone's dream. Right. You know, and that, that's just, that's just cool. No, like I seeing that. people be happy around your stuff. I don't know. It's just awesome. Well, I mean, honestly, like that's why I love doing this podcast so far is like, I love beer and I love like talking about it, but it does flow into different conversations, which like we've talked about a bunch of stuff, but like mm-hmm. it's all over a good beer. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely understand where you're coming from. Um, it's it's the coolest thing ever. You get to, you know, really at the end of the day, see so many people are succeeding in life and having a great time. And like my like my favorite customer, he just opened a fourth place. Oh, wow. and yeah, and it has his fourth place has absolutely nothing to do with beer whatsoever. It's a bagel mm. shop. But to know that he is out there and succeeding and I got to even just be adjacent to his success mm-hmm. is and, and just be just knowing him and the concepts right. that he comes up with are so cool. Wow. And knowing the brewers and knowing Libby, the badass who made all these recipes and with her team came up with this entire box like those people are so cool and I get to give this to the world. Right, right. Like oh, how man. cool is that? 
I'm I, I'm just so excited in the description of this episode. I'm going to say take a drink every time she says Libby. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> the Libby drinking game. The Libby drinking game. Yeah. And don't at worry. the end of it, can I just say her name like six times in succession to get Please everybody down this thing? Um, <laughs> I still got a little bit more white oh, yeah. uh to do this alpine. Sure. Um, so my next question for you: has there ever been like a celebrity trying to like either get a part of it of like devil's backbone like oh i want to give some money or like i want to make my own beer and i like your beer so let me make my own here so there's several there are several breweries that have done partnerships with celebrities Mm -hmm. um we we so we host a music festival every year and one of the coolest things we do is we our base camp brew team gets with those guys and either the, the band shows up um like i think the coolest one was um i do we did a beer with tyler childers okay um well before he was the person he is now okay. um but he it was called sludge river light and I'm, no sorry that was a larry keel beer larry keel was sludge river light um and because we had this we had this big festival that we were happening that was happening on our property. We wanted to have a custom beer for the two headlining bands. Mm. So Sledge River Light, Larry Keel, we kind of came up with this concept, ran it by him. We're like, are you cool with your name being a part of this? And he's like, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. And we sell it at the <laughs> festival. Like, so there's, I mean, there's always gonna be celebrities trying to get in on like, like I know like Luke Bryan has his own brand of beer, which then of right. course had its own brand of seltzers. Right. Right. Um, hey, you're talking but, to the guy who watches uh, Summer House, so I bought me some Lover Boy. Don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> I was so happy that Lover Boy sorted out their distribution disagreements because it's funny. Like, there's the TV show yeah. with those guys, but mm-hmm. then I get all these industry newsletters, and they're like, "Oh, drama with Lover Boy," and you're like, "Shut the front door." Do tell. Do tell. Oh um, man, sever a partnership with a distribution company. Um. But there's like very tricky legalities with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. I think that was kind of. Yeah, because we just got it down here like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, because they broke their partnership. So basically, um, because everything, most states function with the tiered system, which means a supplier can't sell directly to a retailer. Right. Um, you have to go through distribution companies. But in order to get out, basically a distribution agreement is like a lifelong partnership along with the life of the business. In order to get out of it, you have to prove that the company is not acting in your best interest, which is mm. such a difficult thing to quantify. Right. Um, that that was why it was very, very tricky for them. But I saw it's available in Virginia. I'm definitely going to be getting some because I've heard good. great things. Pretty good. <laughs> I got to lie to you. My next get, Trap Hop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just proving that I just watch Bravo all the time, guys. Um, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at Not all. Not at all. Okay, we're on to right. this last That's one, fun. which is very Bruce Moose. Bruce Moose. What I'm so name? excited about th- this. Is the one I'm so excited for. I was going I like- to say, I think between Call Me Krampus and Spruce Moose, I think this is top- those two are the top tier labels. Uh, I think. Well, I was I was familiar with Bruce Echo and the concept of yeah. where it came from. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I want to try anything for the first time ever. So the needs and knack, call me Krampus, had to be tried. But That's Spruce Moose sounds so cool. If I'm okay. if I bought the box for one beer and one beer only, it would be this box. <laughs> okay. um, I'm into so it. it's a chocolate mousse stout. Um, 
and spruce is edible. So they added spruce into it. And I'm hoping for this kind of earthy, fun dessert vibe to wrap this wrap this shindig with. Chocolate, spice, spruce. <laughs> those were the notes, people. Yeah, those three, those three were descriptors, man. Super helpful. By the way, I've loved that I've like changed glasses each time, by the way. <laughs> this is my hey, Halloween um, nights. <laughs> I love it. There's a different style of glass for different styles of beer. And it's all designed yeah. like the glass I've been using yeah. um, is, which I, I've not changed glasses during this entire thing. I mean, I wasn't trying. going to say that. <laughs> well, I was going to tell everybody it's possible to do this. The best way to clean, clean a glass without like walking, walking over to a dishwasher and like scrubbing it down yeah. is pour a little bit of what you're about to drink, swirl it around and dump it out. Cause then you're coating the glass with the flavor of the next thing you're trying. Is it the most <laughs> hygienic thing I've ever done? No, but <laughs> it works for flights when you're too lazy to have, like my desk is crowded. I've got two computers on here. I've got a calendar, right. a lamp and shits everywhere. You um, look like so, you're from Mission Impossible at your desk. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am one glassing it, but yeah, for anybody that is a little bit of a lazy beer drinker like myself, yeah, well, your best bet is to have, I've been using my coffee mug from this morning. Um, as my dump and rinse glass. As your dump and rinse glass. Or at the end of this, your suicide cup. I don't know. If you're brave. <laughs> if you want to try Spruce Krampus, Briscesco. <laughs> Briscesco Peak? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's, into this. It's, it's Moose Krampus Briscesco Peak. <laughs> All in one. Oh, we've got the Sandpiper. Oh, Sandpiper. Sandpiper yeah. Spit. There it is. Oh, this sound. This smells really good. Oh, it does. It's it's crazy how much. It stuff. smells like moose. How the fuck do you know what a moose smells like? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like chocolate moose. Sorry. Oh. But it smells creamy. Oh, goodness. Sorry. <laughs> I think we're both falling apart here. Ah. Oh, that's easy. Oh, that's super easy. I don't taste a ton of spruce. I want more. I want more. Give me my spruce. I taste the chocolate. I mean, the chocolate is for sure there. And yeah. that's, man, that's just really good. Yeah, that's smooth. That's dessert. Yeah, 100%. You picked the right one for the last one. I, I mean, technically, the only thing I had to do was figure out where to insert sandpiper <laughs> in this. Because she puts <laughs> it in order. Oh. Yeah, that's the, best, that's the best shameless plug for this box. Is these the the list of what's inside the box is in the ultimate flight order. So if you're doing what we're doing, which is drinking all of them at once. Oh um, my god. Yeah, which I don't in order for the optimal experience. Yeah. If you want one good night that you're not going to remember with these <laughs> drinks, uh definitely go in this order. But you're right, it is the same order that you've been doing. Wow. I looked at why well, I, I was prepared to have to like prepare like a, an order and a ranking thing. But right. I looked at the list and I was like, nope, that makes sense. Put that on. Oh, wow. perfect. So, I mean, maybe that was just the luck of the draw on the list, but I also have to imagine that be, our team is so smart. They're doing this intentionally. They're Imagineers. I mean, they should. They're, they're, they're crushing it. They're, they're doing the Lord's work. Oh um, my God, right? Goodness. This is, I, and this is the wild part. And I'm not even bullshitting I have liked every single fucking one of these. 
right? Like that's the coolest thing is going to a brewery and being like, all right, let me get a flight and try something new. Like I'm not the biggest IPA drinker. Right. And the reason I wound up at old mother last night is I have a friend and he, and he's actually a certified beer judge. So he out nerds my nerd. We, um, what the wait? We got masters and we have beer judges. He's so I'm, I am a level one. Let's be real, real transparent about guys, that. Guys, level one beer master here. Brewmaster. Okay. But he's, um, so he's a certified judge and he is, he's one of those people, you know, everyone has that friend that like want, that is so smart and everything they want to learn about, they just dive right in. And like three weeks later, they're an expert. Right. Um, that's him. Oh, we are getting to the restless hour for these dogs. <laughs> um, it's all good. I, that's, that's actually the best part of working from home is I have two dogs that are like, mm, lady, <laughs> your work day is over. Cause we yeah, gotta go. Throw me a bone. I gotta go. <laughs> um, and yeah, so so we we're trying different because I've now moved to Maryland and he's in Arlington. We try different breweries every time. But right. he recently judged the Maryland Beer Cup, and so now he's got all these opinions. Wow! Um, but he wanted to go to a brewery. And he's like, "Hey, I know this is all IPAs," and I was like, "Not nah, like I'm gonna go there. I can be objective. I can find an IPA that I like." Right. But you know, the coolest thing is going out and like going for the ride, not you know. Like I, I'm the I'm the person that like sees a beer I want to try at a brewery, screenshots it, sends it to whether a friend or the guy that I'm dating and being like, let's fucking go. I want right. to try this one thing. We're gonna go and make a day of it. Right. And just being along for the adventure and being totally down to try things because beer is so much more than blood light or blue moon. Right. Right. Do you so. think do you think cans are important? Because one of the things that I do on this show, and like I said, I love the spruce and I love the Krampus. Do you think making a good can is kind of important in the brewery game for at least selling to Kroger and such? Um, you mean like artwork wise? Yeah, artwork or, wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, um, if anybody looks at Devil's Backbone Packaging pre-2018, 19, Mm-hmm. Um, we gave ourselves a, te- a 10 year anniversary present of a facelift of <laughs> our marketing because okay. we had, we had these like original packaging that I'm sure when it just was designed and came out was like exactly what they envisioned. Right. You have to make sure you're catching people's attention. We talked about the fact that the craft beer consumer is the most fickle consumer. <laughs> Don't uh, worry guys. That's a Krampus. It's the Krampus can. <laughs> it's the cranky Krampus in my office. <laughs> um, also known as a border collie. Ooh, very pretty. Um, very pretty though. He uh, pretty is one word. Grumpy is another. <laughs> Far too smart to have a human around. Also a thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Um. So it's such a fickle consumer base. You have to constantly be coming up with new artwork and engaging artwork and exciting artwork. And you're never going to find that 100% of people love your artwork. Like someone might look at Spruce Moose and be like, did a kid make this? I look at it and I'm like, that's catchy. I would take a four pack of that off the shelf any day. 1000%. Yeah. So it's, it's all about, you have to stick with when you're a brewery, you have to stick with like, this is my, this is what I want my brand to look like as a whole. And right. fall somewhere within that to look unified and get people. Because obviously, if you have like no logo and everything looks different, people are never going to know it's one and the same. But, you know, you do have to. We, I think we're so we're revamping our entire IPA family for next year. We're going to have 
this whole concept of different deer logos across the uh, across all of our IPAs. Wow. Um, it's gonna be really really cool, and the graphics and the artwork are all like bright colors and neons. And what? But you, have, but you have this cult. You have this one character that unifies the entire thing, and you know I love this concept. But my and my only feedback to our marketing team was. If we do this once, we're going to have to redo our IPA family every two years. We're going to have to keep re-engaging consumers because that's kind of, unfortunately, the shelf life. Like we do seasonals for two years in a row and then we pull them. Right. And that makes some people mad. Uh Um, Sorry, there's a bag stuck to my dog's tail. (laughs) Dogs are something special, man. Um, And so we, um, we, we pull our seasonals after two years because that's, you know, that's kind of like you have year one of like, oh, I remember this. I like this. I grab this. And then you have year two of, I remember this. I like this. I grab this. And then if you do it for a third year, you're not cool anymore. You're not engaging them anymore. You've lost them. Wow. Some breweries have no, have a longer life with that seasonality. Right. We have noticed a relatively short life with that seasonality. Okay. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things where you have to, packaging has to be, I mean, that's, Everyone that I know, their first start into and their foray into craft beer and what they'll try is does it look cool and does it sound good? Right. Wow. So, well, as long as your next IPA is with a Patronus uh, <laughs> of like a deer, you know, and I'm just throwing it out there for I'm you. I'm not going <laughs> to show you or tell you anything, but I think you'll be really excited. <laughs> It's not a Patronus. It's definitely not. Yeah, okay. But it does sure. look really cool mm. and somewhat similar to what you're talking about. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. But like for the sanctity of anybody who listens and holds me accountable to things that I say, which is such a mistake. Um, <laughs> Don't listen to me. <laughs> I mean, you can, but like at your own risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah, no, the, the concept for the first seasonal out of our new IPA line mm. looks so cool and it's such like a high concept like a patronus or something like that right so yeah i'm really excited about that is it exactly what i would have designed no but that's why i'm not in marketing (laughs) you tell me you've made it give me all the data and i'll i'll get it out onto the show you're gonna sell it to the people that's my job claire let me tell you i love hey you've been selling to me for years now i'm glad we finally got to have this conversation Um, me too before we let you go, if you want to plug anything, whether it's your own stuff, Devil's Backbone, please, by all means. Um, I'm going to plug the bounce box. I mean, mm. obviously, all things Devil's Backbone are going to be in your face in any grocery store you go into. We make it a really big point of pride to give back to our community. So that's always something you can feel good about when you grab some Devil's Backbone. Um, we donate a dollar per barrel of beer sold. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, our big charity partners know. are glad the Virginia Department of Wildlife and um, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. So yeah, yeah. But the bounce box is the latest and the greatest. And it's so cool because we do have a reputation um, in the craft beer world of being maybe not the coolest guys in town. Um, So all these innovation beers that we get to try and all the stuff that Libby's making, it's, it's absolutely rad. Um, so I'm definitely, I'm just going to plug the bounce box, man. Get on board with the bounce box. Sorry. I had to take my Libby drink. Um, awesome. I a hundred percent. I 
absolutely love the bounce box. I'm going to get me some more of this because all five of these have been delightful. Even if I don't cram them all down in one night, like this is a delightful pack that you sent. I appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, hopefully down the line, we can get you back and, you know, we can talk other things. Absolutely. Uh, this is my, my one, one of many things that I'm interested and passionate about, but um, I mean, I'm always going to be a big fan of anyone who wants to talk beer um, yeah. and anyone who wants to listen to me talk about, you know, Germanic styles and where they came from and why they're named, what they're named. Ah, um, I mean, there are plenty of people that know so much more than I know, mm -hmm. but if I can share just an ounce of the, you know, the passion for this business, because it is such a great business. Um, well, next time you're down that. here, we're going to a brewery. I don't care. Um, Definitely. Yeah, Jason and Kate can just get Ooh, over it. I'm joining. I want to. I, I have. I should show you what brewery shirt I have on today. What the is? It's what the Uzzle hell? Finch. I, Uzzle I Finch. knew it was Uzzle Finch. I was gonna tell you it's a Finch. That's awesome. That's a good one. That is one of my faves. One. Yeah. I mean, there's you're not there's there's not gonna be a brewery in the state of Virginia that you're not gonna find me <laughs> obsessed with. Yeah, every every single one of them brings so much to the table, and every single one of them has such a unique perspective. You can give everybody the same recipe of beer and they're going to make it a little bit different. Man, let me tell you, I'm. it kind of warms my heart that you've made it seem like, at least in Virginia, like breweries like helping each other and like oh, one, working with each other. It's not even, it's it's so much more than I've made it seem. Like uh, I mentioned one of our brewers from the base camp team went to be his own brewmaster. Mm -hmm. Before they had their, before that brewery had their system up and running, base mm -hmm. camp, our production team, was like, yeah, we're losing this employee, but we're going to contract through all of your beer. So you, when you open, you have stuff to put on tap. Like the beer business as a whole, and you can bring on every other brewery in the state of Virginia. There's not going to be a single one of them that's not, you know, got a neighbor they've helped or have been helped by a neighbor. Like that's just how it is. We, we know what's good for one is good for all. I don't, you know what? That's it. That's it. That's the end of the show. Uh, that yet you, you spoke your words. <laughs> um, Sometimes I have good words. Oh my God. You worded it so well. Uh, Claire, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for listening to Zach Speakeasy. We're on Instagram. Zach Speakeasy. Untapped. Follow me and Claire. Watch our adventures where she one stars IPAs because her. Never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Have a good night, everybody! If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. And please remember to always drink responsibly.